Welcome to Mom and Up. With your co-host, developmental psychologist, Dr. Marty Erickson, and Dr. Aaron Erickson, maternal child health specialist and nurse practitioner. Here's my grandma, Marty. And here's Aaron, my mom and mom. Welcome to Mom Enough. I'm Erin Erickson here with my mom, Marty, and we are going to be talking about how a smartphone can affect adult-child relationships. Our guest, Sarah Reichstadt, is the education coordinator for the seven NAEYC-accredited Twin Cities Kinderbury Hill Child Development Centers. And Kinderbury Hill is a supporting partner of Mom Enough, and we also had our children there and can't uh, say enough positive things about our experiences there. Sarah earned her degree in child psychology from the University of Minnesota, where she trained in the Shirley G. Moore Lab School. Since joining Kinderbury Hill in 1999, she has taught in infant, toddler, and preschool classrooms and served in management positions. As the education coordinator, Sarah helps implement curriculum, offers classroom support, and conducts teacher trainings. She's passionate about early education and helping children, teachers, and families. And she knows the importance of all of these things as a mom as well to two children. So we're so grateful to have you here to share your expertise with us, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to see you guys again. We always love to see you, Sarah, and you know, you're so practical with lots of good, just everyday tips for the people who listen, especially for parents, but also for other professionals who work with children and families. And, and I just love that you're grounded in research. You have to be coming out of that University of Minnesota program, which I know very well firsthand. Um, but anyway, it's just great to have you with us. And I, I love this topic. It's a topic I'm hugely concerned about and really sound like an old fuddy-duddy sometimes, but I think for real good reason. And that is, you know, how technology in general and smartphones in particular, which really upped the game, I think, um, you know, it was around 2012 when we just started seeing this huge wave of children of all ages being on these phones. In fact, I just came back from Spain a couple of days ago. I was working in Africa and then uh, vacationing in Spain. And I noticed in Spain, almost every baby or toddler I saw being pushed around the city of Madrid, for example, in a stroller was you know, being handed a phone to kind of entertain them uh, as, you know, the parents setting up a video or something. And, you know, there are times when we all want to do that, but really, you know, when there's so many other things to look at and opportunities to chat with your child while you're walking, I just, I, it just kind of really gave me an ache in my heart. So I want to talk with you and hear your thoughts about how smartphones in particular and technology in general is really affecting parent-child relationships or family time, um, because that that's kind of one of the big issues. It's not the only one, but um, I think it's a great place to start. I think one of the biggest things that is happening, particularly with the phones, is they're always on us. We always have them with us. Myself, I yeah. put it in my back pocket. So that means not only my family, but my friends, my neighbors, my work all have access to me. Every waking hour, there's that access. And I think there's also somewhat of an instant expectation when a text goes out. 
and there's added pressure. So as a parent, I'm doing something, but if I get a text, I need to look quick and make sure it's not work. Because if someone else is working, well, I could be. You know, there's just that little added extra, I need to take care of this right away piece that I think the phones have changed, especially um, maybe there's a little COVID influence on that, but much more instant expectation to respond. And even myself, I find myself when I text someone, I'll sit and watch my phone for a while because I'm kind of surprised when they don't respond right away. And so I think that has definitely taken some of the parent attention away from the family. Um, I also think that there's many more distractions. You might be, let's say I am looking up, whether it's a recipe or a new bike trail to try. Once I get my phone, I notice, oh, there's an email here. Oh, there's an alert for this. Oh, somebody has posted something. And by the time I finally research and find what I'm looking for, say I finally find the bike route we want, I could have had the bikes loaded. But these little distractions are coming in, pulling up more of our time. Maybe it's in little increments, but it still could add up throughout the day if you depend on your phone as a resource for you know, anything throughout the day, which we all use it for. I think those two, and when we think about those distractions, the same is happening for the children. The, pho the phones are feeding our interests, so we're distracted so easily, and children are as well. And then finally, I think my last thought about that is the phone is now, for all of us, a boredom filler or a way to relax. Myself at the end of the night, I look through my phone, see what my friends are doing before I go to bed for a little bit. <clears throat> um, my children, when they come home, they want to sit with their phone for a little bit after school. But the difference is it's all solitary now. Um, like growing up, maybe a day after school or an evening at home, my parents might have something on TV. It was appropriate, but it wasn't my choice. So I had options. I could sit and watch a show. Maybe it's Family Feud. I didn't really feel like watching it, but I could watch it with them. Or I could hop on my bike and go down to see what my friend was doing down the street. Or I could draw a picture, read a book, um, because I didn't have that information being fed to me passively unless I wanted to watch what my parents had chosen. Now I feel like with the phones, everybody has that solitary perfect, whether it's TV show entertainment available all the time. And so it kind of pulls us in different, different directions more easily, I think. Well, I, I, I couldn't uh, agree more with that, that it is pulling us into so many different directions. And I frequently talk with my patients about just the amount of stress they feel because there really are no boundaries between work and life. And that sense that they could get a text from someone at any point, the email is always available. And in fact, I've had and encouraged several people to take their work email off their phones so that they're not bringing it home and to really work you, you, to set those boundaries, which you sometimes have to work very, very hard to set those boundaries because they're often not respected because a lot of people are on their phones and they've got this idea and they want to quick send a message. And so um, it's also modeling for our children some really concerning behaviors that we can't 
be bored, that we can't find other ways to entertain ourselves. And uh, we have to really think about how our behavior is um, showing our children a path forward. And it might serve us all to be more mindful of that. But I think the, the sheer stress and burnout is largely due to just the complete lack of limits around work. And people don't get that time away from it. The obligation feels pulling all hours. <laughs> so how can technology affect a child's development in positive and negative ways? Well, one of the things that we're seeing is children just having more preference for tablets, phones, video games, um, versus maybe playing kickball in the backyard or heading over to the friend's house to play video games. We can do it all right there at home in their room. And when we look at that, first of all, there's this physical development that it can affect, right? When children are choosing sedentary activities over physical activities, there's going to be an impact on that. Research is also showing that the attention span could be getting shorter with all the distractions. There's some studies that are pointing towards all of us, adults as well. Our attention spans getting shorter because we're, um, when we're on technology, we're not encouraged to focus on one thing for long periods. There's always an ad, there's always a pop-up of some sort, and it's something we're interested in. So then we can go down the rabbit hole in another direction. Um, but probably, most importantly that I think about when I think about child development and technology is its effects on communication and social skills. I think those are probably what, as parents, we should look at most. Um, first of all, these they reduce the person-to-person -person contact. And when we're having a person-to-person -person conversation, there is nodding, there's eye contact, there's responsive listening that we give someone, our expressions show empathy if someone's telling us something that's sad. And with technology that is um, taken out of the conversation, we don't see all that. Um, the expression of other people could be getting, could be something our children are missing. I will, if I leave for work before my daughter's off for school, I'll text her, say, are you on time? Are you getting ready? I will get a virtual eye roll back. Like these are, <laughs> these are like skills that our children are kind of trying to convert to technology. But when I think of it, I'm wondering what they are missing. And my other kind of concern on the social skills and communication is when you see children, I might be talking about the, you know, older children, teenagers, and maybe it's a group conversation. One of the children is maybe made fun of a little bit, picked on a little bit. If the rest of the group doesn't see that child's emotion, maybe their shoulders slump, maybe they're, they flush, their eyes tear up, then it's really not mean or it's not bullying or it's not hurtful. And I think those are things that as parents, we really need to think about when we engage with our children. Are they picking up other people's emotion and that empathy piece when so much communication is on tablets and phones? 
Boy, I think you've really hit on a number of things that um, I, I personally am very concerned about with our children's development. And you started by talking about the reduction of attention span and the research is, you know, is not real strong yet on that. But I, I, I certainly see a, a pattern that is very concerning. And I, I see it in myself um, because of the way things within the systems of technology and particularly our smartphones, you know, are really designed to divert us all the time. I'm, I'm somebody who, uh, relative to some other members of my family, for example, we have several, several people with ADHD um, and, uh, and no shame in that at all. I mean, they're really smart, creative people and, you know, they're, it can be an asset uh, as, as well as a liability depending on circumstances. But I've always kind of had laser focus and have not been prone to distractibility. And I find now, you know, when I start doing a, a task, usually a work task or maybe personal correspondence with people where I really need to write some, you know, kind of lengthy things uh, to people that go beyond a quick text, I get pulled away by all these little pop-ups and, and, you know, oh, and so-and-so just posted, and I'm not even a social media um I don't live on social media, let's say. I can go sometimes a year without posting on my Facebook page. I had people contacting me to see if I was still alive last year. <laughs> and that's not a joke. <laughs> that's really true. But, you know, I find myself being jerked around. And and the thing I think about, you know, that's me. And I'm an adult and I, you know, kind of established my ways of dealing with the world, dealing with people, dealing with my work. But when you think about babies and toddlers and preschool age kids whose brains are just taking shape. You know, what do those brains look like when they have had a steady diet, either because it's been handed to them very early or because, you know, they've they've chosen that and they, you know, they they live more comfortably in that technological space than they do. They might even be texting somebody who's just in the other room um, because they've kind of come to think of that as their way of interacting. You know, I, I worry so much about the long-term effects of that. And I just, I don't think we've really come to grips with that, but we should think really hard about it with regard to young kids. So we need to talk about some other aspects of this too. And I think one big question, and I know you raised this question, is how much is too much? Because technology is here. Smartphones are here and they're new and improved now that the latest <laughs> latest phones are coming out. Um, I don't know if they're smarter or dumber, but <laughs> they're different and they're expensive. Um, but, you know, I think... The, the question of how much is too much is a, a really hard one to answer because the technology does have a lot of benefits and, you know, we all like it. Sometimes we love it and hate it at the same time. I know that's where I put myself, but you know, how, how do we know how much is too much and how early is too soon, which I worry about a lot. Right. I think most of the research that is out right now is saying zero to two years, absolutely no technology. Um, I support that fully, but how easy is it when you're a busy parent to quick, you know, have your child sit down for a minute so that you can do something on the hot stove or whatever it is. Um, but if we could really stick to limiting that very 
severely <laughs> in those early years, um, I think that would benefit children most. And then they also say ages two to five, we're looking at one hour a day, but that should be co-viewing. And I think we forget that piece. As a parent, you know, when we're reading a book, we stop and we might look at the illustrations or we might say, how do you think that character felt? But we forget to do that for a TV show or a movie. And I think when we're co-viewing, we can add that education to some of the technology pieces that we introduce children to. You know, if we're introducing them to mm -hmm. appropriate stuff that's teaching about emotions, we can reinforce that if we're watching it with them instead of just having them be independent. And then, you know, for the older children, they'll say two hours a day, and that doesn't count homework. So if there is homework, then they can have two hours of relaxed, social, whatever it is. And I will say, I think that is the hardest one for families to try and rein in. We want our children to have their phones so that we have communication with them all the time so that we can, you know, assure ourselves that they are safe. But... How do we, you know, it's harder to limit. That's a bigger family challenge. Yeah. You know, I want to go back to um, to the um, initial comments about very young children and that, you know, children birth to two should have no no screen time or no no technology, smartphone time. I, I mean, I think, you know, some video viewing, um, you know, Communal video viewing sometimes is an exception in my mind because that's such a different, uh, different process, and especially if you're making meaning of it with your kids and having good conversation. But you know, I think the biggest issue early on um, is what parents do with their phones, and I think particularly in the time very early in a baby's life when attachment is developing and is the central, foremost foundation of what follows. It's a foundation of self-regulation, of uh, empathy, of, of being able to be pro-social with other people, with both adults and peers and so many things. And that foundation of security, that what allows a child to then become independent or autonomous and go out and explore the world. And, you know, to expect a child to have no exposure to those devices means huge changes for parents. And I see, you know, I go to a park. I love to, I love to hang out in parks and kind of watch parents and children, grandparents and children. I miss the days when my grandkids were young enough that I could spend a lot of time in the park yeah. with them. But I'm just appalled when I see how absorbed so many parents are in their devices. And kids of a certain age, of course, can play. They don't have to, I'm not a helicopter parent by any means. And, uh, you know, I think we need to give kids autonomy. But when I see kids kind of making bids for their parents' attention, trying to engage their parents in play, you know, catch me at the bottom of the slide, mommy, or, you know, give me a push on the swing. And no, I can't right now. I, it just breaks my heart. And so I really think, you know, we have to look in the mirror about all of this and figure out if we're gonna really do what's right for our kids, you know, we have to start with our part. And then so much easier too, if you're not addicted <laughs> to your devices in front of your kids all the time, um, you know, they're not likely to become addicted either. So, and I do think it's an addiction. I don't, you know, chemical dependency people debate about whether you really can call it an addiction, but I've never talked to anyone who doesn't think 
it is, um, you know, certainly a compulsion, if not an addiction. Well, it does. Uh, it, it results in a dopamine hit, which is exactly. basically <laughs> what, you know, it's like sugar and all these things trigger that pleasure set- center of our brains and cell phones and uh, especially things like Instagram, where you're like scrolling and you're getting these, you know, story after story and it like sucks you in or even YouTube. And, and I think all of these things, like I, I love Instagram. I use it for recipes. I save things. I have a file for my knitting and crocheting. I have breakfast ideas, dessert, and I get a lot of great ideas from that, but you really have to curate what you're watching. And you also have to really be cautious of the time limitations and support your family in doing the same thing. Like my husband and I will say, okay, come on, put it away. We do that to each other to really cut it off because it is it's kind of relaxing and it's, it's fun and it's interesting. The other thing that I really worry about is you have no idea if the information on there is true or not. I mean, this is not a repository of evidence-based information. And so unfortunately, what I see a lot is that people take this information in as truth, as fact. And I would really hate for young children to kind of build their knowledge set on sources that aren't factual or that could potentially actually include really harming bias or things like that. So we have to be really careful about that as well. I'm wondering what tips you have uh, so families can have healthy technology use. I do have a couple ideas for families. Before we get that, I just want to circle back on one other thing regarding us as parents and just the thought of what we show attention to, what we pay attention to, we're showing children we value. Every time we're saying, hold on a minute, or we're nodding and saying, mm-hmm, but we're not looking at them, we're showing how important the screen is. And we're portraying the message that when you are an adult, these are mature, appropriate adult behaviors. This is where the value is. And I think if we really take a look at that, that's something that we want to be mindful of because that message comes across to children, even the young, young children are understanding what's important. Mama needs to do this right now. They're understanding that. In regards to some fun things for families to do, technology is here and it's here to stay. And there's a lot of positive aspects that we can pull from technology. The first tip I would say, and we've touched on it already, setting up the boundaries, but having the goal of putting the phone down and silencing it. Because I can put it down, but once it dings, I'm not present anymore. So that would be my first kind of goal or challenge to anyone who's wanting to maybe think more about their use of cell phones as a family. Also, be mindful as a parent what you are watching. Maybe it's on TV when you think children aren't listening. You know, the news is really can be very traumatic to a child who doesn't understand where in the world this is happening, who it's happening to. You know, these are can be stressful glimpses that a child can see and not understand. Right now, the commercials, there's a lot of scary movies advertised right now. Um, I know that just seeing that, you know, to my 10 year old, we have to have quite a discussion and leave a light on you know, before bed, like these are things that 
accidentally slip through, but as parents, we could be a little mindful of that. And then there's lots of traditions you can create. You know, maybe it's family movie night. These are fun, positive things. We're all together. Young children will love this, snuggling up the blanket, watching a movie. But even the older ones, if you can make this a tradition and everybody attends, then at the end, rate the movie. How would have you done the ending? Who would have been a better actor if you didn't like so-and-so? You know, these are just kind of little analysis, fun game things that you can do as a family and still enjoy some screen time together. Finally, I think there's creative things you can do. Maybe putting photos to music and making your own video or acting out a book with your sibling or FaceTiming grandma for a bedtime story. Like there's so many great things that we can do with technology that we certainly don't want to cut children off from it. There's too many wonderful resources available. It's just, you know, seeing what fits your family best. Well, I love that movie idea. We used to do that regularly. My children and I would do Monday movies and it was so great because sometimes Mondays would be kind of a long day at the start of the week. And it just, it was a lovely tradition to have Monday movies. I used to beg to get invited over for that. <laughs> loved when I was a part of those, those things. And even now when Erin's kids are all teenagers, you know, two of them uh, out of high school now for almost two years. Um, and and uh, when they're at our house in California, that's the one time when our whole family of 11 is often together. And, you know, the kids still really like to put on their pajamas really early in the evening. They've been outdoors all day and, you know, nobody's on 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 their devices, really, because the outdoors is so appealing. But um, but then, you know, we get back and everybody wants to put jammies on. We have a big sectional and, you know, pile the blankets on, even though it's Southern California. You know, it's kind of cool in the evening. And so those are, those are, you know, when I think of some of the precious times in my life at, at this late <laughs> stage I'm in, um, you know, those are really some of the most precious. And then lots of discussion about about things, you know, really those opportunities to you know, to kind of use whatever it is you're watching to, you know, just to talk about life. And it's really precious time. They, I wanted to add just one other thing about your tips too. I, I really love to suggest to families, whatever the age of their kids, that they maybe declare a green hour. Um, maybe it's right after dinner or, you know, it doesn't matter when it is. Families that have crazy schedules and especially as kids get older, but, um, you know, to have a time where everybody puts their phones away. They're, they're in a basket, they're turned off and, and, you know, everybody does something outdoors. If, uh, you know, I guess there are extreme weather times when that might not be the ideal, but I, I think those are hard to find even in Minnesota. Um, but you know, something, it doesn't literally have to always be going outside, but I think that's a really good way to kind of reduce your own stress, both for the kids and the parents and, and just to, um, you know, take a walk around your neighborhood or something where you're side by side and you're chatting in a way that you don't, if you're just sitting down facing each other sometimes and, and definitely to get rid of the phones during mealtime. So I'm glad I didn't grow up with, uh, with these devices. I, you know, I didn't encounter it until I was well into my adult life and that's bad enough yeah, yeah. come in with a force that's for sure <laughs> yeah 
Well, Sarah, we so appreciate your wisdom and your insights. You're always uh, just such a fantastic guest. And I love the way you uh, share this information in ways that are so accessible and understandable. Uh, our guest today, Sarah Reichstadt from Kinderberry Hill, uh, supporting partner of Mom Enough. And um, thanks to all of you, too, for tuning in today. I'm Erin here with my mom, Marty, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Content copyrighted by Marty and Aaron Erickson. All rights reserved. Visit momenough.com for an archive of all Mom Enough shows and many free downloadable resources on child development, parenting, and maternal health and well-being. Do you think I'll have a show called Kid Enough someday?